I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Mellow Compass podcast. We are the podcast that aims to educate our listeners on the variety of opportunities available in the music industry by really getting beneath what job titles actually mean. We have the absolute star Esther Ray as our guest today and we are focusing on the organisation Esther created called Life with Dyslexia. Esther also has her own management company, No Limit Management, and is the event manager at AIM. In addition, she has also managed events for the likes of GRM, Since 93, Murky, Meta. The list is very impressive. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. Welcome to the Mellow Compass podcast. We finally tracked you down. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Finally, this this has been long. We have been speaking about this for, I think, probably about two years now. So, yeah, really, really pleased that you are here with us and sharing all of your wisdom and, yeah, everything else that you have to offer. Yeah, I'm happy that I can as well. So it's been long overdue, but I wanted to, you know, so many different people ask you to come onto platforms, but I know that with Melacompass, it's kind of like you have a different angle because you share across the board. You're not just one specific topic, which is always good. So that's why I wanted to come on to be able to talk about neurodiversity. Excellent. Well, I'm actually going to start with a bit of an icebreaker question. Because I heard this on a podcast recently, and I thought it worked really well for the listeners to get to know you from the get-go. So I would love to know, how would those around you, how would those closest to you describe you? Um, 110% crazy. I'm telling you, that is a word that they would, that my closest peer group would definitely describe me as being crazy, fun to be around, very direct. <laughs> so yeah, crazy fun to be around, direct, and I think generally happy. Generally happy. I think I would loud. agree with that. Loud, definitely loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's coming to me now, loud. 
at the same time fun to be around but equally miserable because my friends they call me Ethel. what because you're because <laughs> you're miserable yeah sometimes. and just yeah and I'm just like I'll just stay home with the dog like Ethel in EastEnders but I think that's how they would describe me I love that would you agree with them 100 percent. yeah brilliant okay let's dive in so as we were just saying you know this conversation is really focused on being neurodivergent it's something that you openly campaign about um and specifically life with dyslexia which is the organization um you've created to raise awareness about learning disabilities mm-hmm. right so in a nutshell um can you share with our listeners um what is the ambition of life with this dyslexia and what was your reason for creating it okay so First and foremost, I felt like having dyslexia and dyspraxia myself, it's something that I realised wasn't being made a general topic of conversation. And learning needs exist, but people would more speak about, I was going to say the visible ones, such as, you know, potential um, ADHD or autism, more where you can somebody's behaviors may lead you to say oh okay they have a b c or d and i've noticed that invisible disabilities are often not spoke about so being dyslexic and dyspraxic myself i started doing some research and i just felt like without me actually knowing what's available out there for myself how would other people know that have got learning needs as well so I started doing some research and I just noticed there was nothing out there. And I also noticed that there wasn't, you know, young people, so to speak, speaking about it. But at the same time, when you look at the news or the media, it's always saying that the young people that are in people with throat units have learning needs, etc. But it's not being put out there as to, you know, what can be done about it. So I've done lots of research and then I realised if I'm feeling like this, how many other people are feeling like this as well with the lack of information that's available to them. So that's how Life with Dyslexia came about because I just think it's important to be dyslexic and proud, to have a learning need and be proud, be neurodivergent and be proud, have a neurodivergent brain and be proud. But that's not how it's ever placed in the media. And I think that's why a lot of people don't have confidence across various arenas to say in whatever job they're in, I've got a learning need it generally is something that people don't take the box for. When did you discover that you were um, neurodivergent with dyslexia and dyspraxia? Because I would say, like, these conditions are, they're pretty common. They are. The, the thing is, as well, there's a lot of people that will say, oh, my gosh, that sounds like me. Oh, my gosh, I do that. Oh, my gosh, I think I might be. And it's because it's common but people do not get access to understanding whether or not they actually have something that they may need just a little bit of help with. And I think that's what happened with me. So when I was going to university some years ago, about 10 years ago, um, I did my driving test, I think it was five or six times because I couldn't pass, but I didn't know at that time that I was dyslexic or dyspraxic. Um, I also needed a grade C maths to get into university because I wanted to do social work but I couldn't get this C grade. And I did it three times, three years in a row. I did UEL, Goldsmiths two years in a row, didn't get the C and they're so strict, they will not let you in. Year four, I got that C. And then I was able to start on my course. 
but I still hadn't connected the dots with the driving. You know, I'd be having a conversation and I'll talk about one thing. And then in that whole conversation, we've covered 10 different topics because I've just gone off on my own conversations. Um, not being able to remember stuff, just general basic stuff. And then I got into uni and then I did two essays. And the teacher said to me, I think you should go to student support and ask them for some assistance around learning and essays, etc." And I went down there and spoke to them and they did, made me do a test. And they said, we think you need to have a psychologist test around this because although you've got the grades to get in, there are some concerns around your delivery, your numbers, because I can't add up neither, to be fair. Numbers mm. calculate. Um, and that's how I managed to find out. But before, if I didn't go to uni, would I have known? No. Because I wouldn't know where to go. It's not spoke about. I would just think this is who I am as a person. And that's another reason why I created Life with Dyslexia because people sometimes don't understand when things are happening to them or why they're beha behaving in a certain way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have a learning need. But for me at that time, I had no idea. Driving tests, all that kind of stuff. So when I finally did get that statement, I said, no, something needs to be done on a greater scale. And that's why I started this. Mm, so you, you obviously didn't have any kind of support with this when you were at school because usually you know that's when these things I say should be um caught mm -hmm. given the the number of exams that we have to do yeah at school no I actually got um GCSEs but I got a grade U in maths <laughs> I remember that exam I went there and all I did was write my name on, on the piece of paper and I sat in that whole entire exam room just annoying everybody else because I didn't know the answers and I got all A's in my English. I wow. got three A's, English, literature, lang, speaking, listening, all A's. There were no other grades after that because everything else was, I think I got an E in French, an F in, it, I just didn't get the grades. But again, it was okay because I got the A's. The teachers were like, this is amazing. You've got A grades and you've got a D so you can go to college. So I went to college and did sociology and media and failed both of them after two years and still didn't know. It was never picked up. So with, with all of this as well, you would think that it's not exactly empowering, is it? No. And that's why I feel like it's my place to empower people because Without having people that are advocates for a community, how are people going to understand that it's actually okay to be a part of it? How are people going to understand that just because you may behave in a certain way or react in a certain way or write in a certain way, read in a certain way, talk in a certain way, we have our dyslexic brain processes things totally different to the average person. But people with the same thing they're not hearing people out there talking about the fact that this is positive. We're amazing. So that's why empowering is something that has never been for me, which is what is the driver behind me starting my organisation because there is zero empowerment. There was none for me growing up. I can't say that there's lows now. There's some. But for me as a young black female, I want to be that change around empowering other people. I love that, honestly. Do you like that, Nikki? I love that. <laughs> Right. Okay. So 
let's get down to the facts a little bit mm-hmm. because there might be people listening going dyslexia and dyspraxia okay what are we actually talking about can you give us a 101 on what the symptoms are of both being dyslexic and dyspraxic again this is a good starting point because for those people listening I do know what it is but I need to revert to my phone to be able to get them right so I'm actually going to grab my phone now <laughs> yeah literally because that's that's one of the things in that you struggle to remember exact key things as they are so because you said facts I wanted to make sure that I read stuff that actually makes sense in terms of what dyslexia itself is the dyslexic brain so it's a different brain organization that needs different teaching methods it's never the fault of the adult or the child but it's the responsibility of those who teach them to find methods that work so basically in short our brains are wired differently so you may have a book and it may say on monday i went to the seaside and i'll read that with my dyslexic brain and say on monday i went to the seaside And then the next line will be, we had sandwiches. But because of how my brain works, it skips to maybe line number 10. And I don't take in what's written before that because my mind's speeding and racing off before me to get to the end of where it needs to be. It impacts your reading, your spelling. Um, It's nothing to do with intelligence, dyslexia. It's, It's a different kind of cognitive processing. So I often write words and miss letters out My handwriting is all over the place. Reading, as I said, it just goes faster and faster and faster. Um, I often struggle sometimes as well to retain information. So, you know, often people will say, how can you not know that? That's common sense. And they don't mean no harm when they say it. But people often forget that memory retaining is also something that is an issue. So I may have well been taught something in school about World War I or whatever. I'm not going to remember that now. <laughs> I have to just, I have to go on the internet and do research. Whereas other people, they would just say, oh yeah, King, blah, blah, blah. That does not work for us. That's just not how our brain works whatsoever. But again, I have to say, those are, that's what it is, but there's a flip side to it. But you're probably going to ask the question about what it is. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, I am. Tell us, what are the positives? <laughs> oh, is that the next? Okay, so actually, before I go on, did you know famous dyslexics? I think it's always important to have that conversation. Steve Jobs. Yes. Muhammad Ali. Richard Branson. Walt Disney. George Bush. Jennifer Aniston. Whoopi Goldberg. Jamie Oliver. Steven Spielberg. The list is endless. And the one thing that a lot of these people have in common is that they're creative or they're problem solvers, or they've got great thinking skills, or they're critical thinkers, highly creative people. Will Smith used to memorise the script for The Fresh Prince because of how his his brain works in favour to be able to retain information. There's different divergences of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like it, it being, there isn't one one type yes. of being dyslexic. That's right. It's, That's it's right. really dependent on the person. So he had an auditory memory. He was able to retain it. Whereas with myself, I can't, I'm not able to. I absolutely cannot do that. I look at a script and go, you want me to remember X, Y, Z? Absolutely not. Like I I used to be a singer in a band at uni. And Mm -hmm. obviously as a singer, you need to remember your lyrics, don't you? 
you 100% do. Yeah, I wasn't very good at doing that. Just, um, yeah, did a lot of improvisation. <laughs> yeah. And then on the other hand, dyspraxia. Um, dyspraxia affects the organisation skills. So I am quite unorganised, but in a organised way that makes sense to me. My memory is extremely short. My concentration is affected so badly by my um, dyspraxia because I just can't concentrate for long time spans. So if the average person can concentrate for 20, I can concentrate for five, then I'll have to step away. Um, a lot of classroom develop, uh, development difficulties happened when I was younger. Like I'd be in class and I'd just be messing around because I'm bored, easily distracted. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how dyspraxia affects myself. Like I said, I wasn't aware of this until I got a statement which explained why certain things were happening and then obviously they name it dyslexia dyspraxia but outside of that I would not have known it to me this is just who I was I was just Esther the crazy one <laughs> the one that couldn't concentrate the one that would finish her work and start agitating other people the one that couldn't add up the one that couldn't remember anything I never was I never named it and I'm talking about grown adult years. Until going to uni, that was the only time I realised, wow, like, it's not just children that have special needs. Or it's children that go to pupil referral schools or SEN. It's adults too. Thinking about you and your career then, um, you've done really well for yourself. I mean, like, your portfolio is endless. I mean, you set up your own management company called No Limit Management. You've managed events for big the bit yeah big 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 ones that's why I focus on I say to people you know I am a person but I you know some people be like no you're a human being first I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic first that's how I introduce myself because the accolades that I have and the odds kind of being against me because of you know the learning needs I have for me to be where I am, it's to be celebrated, but also to encourage and empower other people. So, for example, you know, I've been a social worker for over 12 years. That was a degree that I had to do in uni and I was able to do it. And then I've gone on to do events and organise some of the biggest events, festivals, galas, um, weddings, award shows. I've worked with some of the biggest brands, the YouTubes, the Amazons. Um, I've curated the AIM Awards, the Libertines performed, Lethal B. I've got my own management company. I've got a master's in music business management. You know, all of that coupled with dyslexia and dyspraxia, which is not to suggest that people with learning needs don't achieve. But that's why I'm out there as an advocate, because I want people to understand that it's real life, as in you can look at myself and know that it can be done. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're a walking advert. That's it. I like that. Sainsbury's has got nothing on me, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Go and speak to Esther. So, I mean, you've always said that you love music, yet you yes. worked in social work for 12 years. What was the transition between social work and music? Like, what was your big break? And obviously, by this time, you knew that you had this neurodivergent. Um, so did that kind of hold you back? Or by that point, did you think... I know who I am, I know my skills, I know what I can do, what I'm not good at, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, how, how did this transition come about? So I'd been in social work for all that time, about 10 years. 
And I realised that it's a it's a field that you can enjoy because I was working with vulnerable children and families and, you know, you can't put a price on when you give a young child a safe home. It's kind of like you're rescuing them. And I loved doing that and making sure they were safeguarded. But then what I realised after a certain time was that I started doing um, events in my workplace and it was called Reach for the Stars. It was an award ceremony that we had for the children in care. And I started doing them and I realised I actually like this. I enjoy it. I thrived in that area. And then that turned into me saying, you know what, I'm going to start doing some little bits in the community. And then I started approaching my friends that are in the music industry. And the rest, as they say, is history. I just continued going with it. And then I realised that I need to make a transition because mental health is important. People don't place enough emphasis on it. And for me, as much as I enjoyed social work in parts, I realised that my creative brain was much more happier in the events industry. So I had to weigh up, okay, look, you get paid this amount, you're actually going to take a leap of faith and go into an unknown arena, earn less money, it's not as secure, it's freelance, but mental health played a key part because which do you choose? Mm. Do you stay there or do you think, you know what, I need to think about myself, my own well-being, and I just took the leap of faith and done it. And the reason it worked out in parts is because I feel like there's something very special about people that have got learning needs such as dyslexia and dyspraxia. Because when we start getting creative, there's no stopping us. Absolutely. Didn't AIM say that they brought you on to drive diversity and take their events to the next level because you bring that creativity? I mean, pretty awesome. Yes. It is. It definitely is. Focusing in on your role now at AIM, so Mm -hmm. you are the Senior Events Manager at AIM. What does a classic day-to-day look like for you? Oh, my God. So um, (laughs) it depends, you know. It actually does depend. So, for example, a typical day is, as everyone does, check emails. But it just depends on what's going on. So let's take the run-up to the award show, for example. So I have to plan the days for the judges to come in to judge the songs that have been submitted. We have to build the website for people to submit on. I've got to do press releases and proof them, etc. I've got to email people and say, hey, would you like to be a judge? I've got to sort out what the awards will look like. I've got to sort out the invoicing for that. I've got to decide on the venue. We've got to do catering, tasting. There's so much that goes into the event no day is the same, but it all leads up to one particular day, the final show day. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Got it. And with, uh, with knowing what you're, you know, knowing that you have these, the strengths of being the superpowers of um, dyslexia and um, dyspraxia, how does that feed into the skills that you need to be doing this role? Okay, so that's one of the positive sides to it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not all happy, fairy-go-lucky. So I really do struggle, for example, at work with invoicing, but because my team, one thing I can say about AIM, they're so understanding and they support neurodiversity to beginning to end. So when it comes to things like that, my colleagues will step in and help me. Um, They leave me to lead on creative. So, for example, the show, the production, the ideas, the brainstorming, what the conferences will look like, the venues, all that stuff is why they feel comfortable because they know that my creative side of my brain, once it goes into drive, it starts driving. Mm. And then the rest of the team will do stuff like the, the financial side. And what, what about the organization side? Because being an events manager, there are a lot of things to, going on, a lot of things to manage. hundred percent. I think in all events as well, not even just AIM, because I'm very transparent again, and I make sure people are aware of my learning needs so they understand how I work. It, it only becomes an issue when people don't understand. So for example, it's so much organizing and it is difficult because our stress levels, we can't take that much stress because when we do, so for example, I had an email from a press company saying we need to get this signed off today by 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It was nine in the morning. I immediately went into brain overdrive and started shutting down because you get anxiety, it gets raised because you have a deadline to meet and you've got other stuff on and you've got a to-do list, but that's important and they need this. And if you don't do this, you're going to look bad. That is something that is a very big thing, which is why I'm so transparent. And I always say to people, I have dyslexia, I have dyspraxia. I need time to plan meetings. You can't just call me into a meeting because I will struggle with that. Everything needs to be planned. And when it comes to organising, it's difficult because there's so much different components. But I have to really plan ahead. So, for example, we're doing this interview now. The award show is in about seven months. I've already started planning. I've got so much already done. I know who's doing what. Because if I don't, I will mess it up. That is an asset, though, isn't it? Like, surely, because you you have that way of working, doing things so far in advance, actually, when you get to, like, a month out, other than, like, the bits that pop up that you don't expect, that's kind of all done. You say that, but not all events are like that. So, for example, I've had people contact me on a Monday saying their event is the next Friday. Can I project manage it? 
because remember it's not just aim that i do i do freelance yeah so they'll like oh it's next friday it's a video launch or a launch for an artist's video campaign and this is the budget and this is the location but we need 360 booth we need decor we need security we need guest list and it's like okay but one thing i also have got good at because i understand the limits that i'm able to work on i am able to say no Mm. And I think that's a key strength that people from the neurodiverse community have because we know what our limits are. And if we don't stick to that, it, there is potential to go wrong. I can only speak for myself. What I was going to ask you next, how do you manage um, being d- dyslexic and dyspraxic? But actually, I think you've said a lot already of like, you know, you say no to people. You're really upfront with people about, you know, don't bring me into a meeting um, without kind of giving me notice so I can plan. Is there anything else that for people listening who are like, I actually think I might be dyslexic or dyspraxic. Um, anything else that you do to to manage yourself and kind of be your best self? OK, so on the surface, that's the, what I've given you, but it goes deeper than that. So, for example, I have programs that help me to type my reports and stuff. And I think that now <laughs> it's a totally different thing now. This chat GBT stuff I'm hearing about where it does it for you. I was literally just thinking about that. It, yeah, it's it's not that. This is a program that I got 10 years ago from uni that goes on my laptop. Um, I use a dictaphone in meetings because I, there's no way. I'm exempt from minute taking at meetings. Because, again, it's something that is a struggle for people with dyslexia and fracture. The speed you'd have to write at, retaining the information, who said what's at work. I don't have to do minutes at all. I use a dictaphone, as I said, when I go into my meetings. Um, I also, if I meet a client, I'll use a dictaphone to write down their needs. I video record a lot of faces when I go to them. If I have an essay, essay, job interview, job application, transparent. The one piece of advice I would give to people who are neurodiverse or think they may be, be transparent. Because if I've got a job application, the first thing I do is I'll email them and say, hi, I'd like to apply. I'm dyslexic and dyspraxic with a statement. Can you advise if I can be given an extension? Not one job application has ever said no. Not one. Because it's equality and diversity. And everyone has a a duty to fulfill that. Can you imagine if somebody emailed and said, and they said, no, sorry, we can't. They, well, depending on who it is, if it was me, they'd be in the media. Yeah, they, they, they would now. Five, ten years ago, that might have been washed under the carpet. So it's like, always be transparent, tell them. And I also have, for example, you know, exams, extra time. You're granted extra time in anything, job application, exams. Um, you know, I'll contact companies and say to them, I'm dyslexic, can you help me to fill the form out? They'll post it out in the post. They'll arrange a session for me to go to the Citizens Advice Bureau. You just have to be transparent and let people know what your needs are. And all of that obviously comes from learning over time, but it is important. And that's why on the surface, yes, we have to organise and plan. But it can be quite distressing because sometimes we can't go forth like that average person. Okay. So even before all of this, um, if people are listening and going, oh, how do I get tested? Obviously, you... You were in education at the time when it was all picked up. If someone is not in education and they're kind of questioning if they have this, then where can they get support? You see, this is one of the biggest problems in the industry. To be assessed is not cheap. And that's why a huge proportion of young people 
in schools and pupil referral units are labelled as behaving a certain way, but the reality is they have a learning need that has not been diagnosed. And why? Because the government won't pay for it. You can get assessed and it can cost anywhere between the region of 800 to 3,000 pounds. It literally just depends. I was fortunate because I had it done at university, but I've had to get that re every, every three years, I think it is, to make sure that I still get entitled to certain things. It costs a lot of money actually have these assessments which is why a lot of people are not able to get it done privately for their children so they rely on the government to do so whether that be a mainstream school what have you and if somebody is unsure whether or not they are dyslexic they can actually just literally go onto google and find somebody that specializes in special educational needs statements or they can use words such as dyslexic screening because it's a screening that you initially start with. And once you have a screening, they normally develop that onto a longer stage psychological assessment around, um, I say psychological, some people hear that and think, oh no, that's mental health, no. It, there's different types of psychologists that work in arenas around brains. Mm -hmm. So that's the person who my statement came from. But it's quite costly. And that's one of the biggest issues to date that we have in that parents can't afford them. My understanding is, for example, I assisted somebody the other day and they paid £1,200. That's not to suggest how much it costs, but you can be looking at anything from £600 upwards. However, it's worthwhile remembering that that statement can change a lot. It can definitely change the direction of someone's life. Mm. And if I knew when I was younger, it would be very different for me, but I didn't know. And it's it's actually quite a horrible feeling because... Imagine believing in yourself, nobody else believing in you, but still having to push through daily, not knowing that you've got a learning need. Imagine being in school, in the classroom, you don't know the answers, you're struggling, everybody else is writing, everybody else has finished this paper and you just don't know. Imagine being in college and thinking, why am I getting these grades? Imagine being in uni and being like, this is crazy. I can't even get a GCSE maths to go to uni. Imagine trying to drive a car five times and you can't pass that test because you was dyslexic and dyspraxic. That's what happened to me. And that's why I want to be an advocate now in the community to let people know you can be dyslexic, dyspraxic and proud. Yeah, we're special people. The things that we do, our creative brain, crazy. We can do things that other people can't do. We can come up with concepts that other people won't come up with. We are unique in our own right. But until you know that you're dyslexic or dyspraxic, you actually don't know what you are. You are confused about why you behave the way that you do. Yeah, there's a lot in there. A lot in there to dissect. I think that's a good clip, actually. I like that. Yeah, and actually you do talk a lot about um, your neurodivergence being your gift. Oh, that you've just reminded me of that. I was going to say that. For me, being neurodivergent is a gift, not a hindrance. That is the message of life with dyslexia. It's the best thing that I've got because it's a gift. Because I can do what others can't do. Does that make either one of us any better? No, it doesn't which is different in our own right, and we do things differently. Imagine if everybody was the same. What kind of world would we be living in if every single individual was the same? 
there would be limited creativity. Literally. So being from the neurodivergent community, it's not easy. Um, and sometimes you do feel less than the other. I've had experiences where, you know, I've not got jobs. The rejection has been real. The applications that have come back, the feedback has been poor. You know, I've done verbal face-to-face and then afterwards, if the person knew me, they'd be like, Esther, that was really bad. You know, it's not all happy flowers and celebrating I'm neurodiverse and proud, no. But what it is, is making sure that people understand that it's a journey. And once you go on that journey and you're determined and confident, your journey will be much easier because you will have more self-belief, understanding that we've got to work, but because of the way my brain's programmed, I've got to work a little bit harder. Mm. And actually, you can use that in your career as well. So like bringing it back to your career, you know, you've, you're clearly like a very social person. Yeah. Um, you know, you said before that, um, and this was in our Mellow Compass article that you wrote for us. You okay. said, um, <laughs> what some may say I lack in academically, I outweigh with my creativity. And that's something that we've absolutely touched on quite a bit in this conversation. Yes, 100%. My creativity is what I rely on. And I do think that, you know, young people need to see women like myself that like the music they like, that like the clothes that they wear, that enjoy the things that they do, that like social media pages that they like, that they need to see and understand that there's no way that you need to look as a person to be neurodivergent. But guess what? I am. But look at me. You're doing great. <laughs> You're excelling. <laughs> you know, and if I can, anybody can. Literally, five times driving a car, come on. If I can, anybody can. And that's literally what I say. We're, we've got great brains. They're wired differently. But I want to redefine the meaning of being neurodiverse. That's what I am about, redefining the meaning. Because people look at it. And see it as an illness. It's not an illness. I don't even see it as a disability. Why why are we calling it a disability? What why is it a disability? Because we don't think like everybody else. The meaning of what it means to be neurodivergent needs to be redefined. And I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Just give me some Preach. time. Is is this one reason why you decided to name your management company No Limit Management? Yep, 100%, because I realised there really is no limit to what you can do. There's no limit to the events that I can put on. I've had events where people have said, right, the budget is 10 grand, and then I've had another event where someone said the budget is 100 grand. There's no limit to what you can do, to the events I can put on. There's no limit to the work that I can do. There's no limit to the people that I can help. There's no limit to the excelling that I can do. There's no limit to what I can do just because I'm dyslexic. I don't think so. Honestly, anybody listening to this, just like, I am empowered. I think a lot of that comes from my social work, though, to be fair as well. The empowering side. Yeah, being empowering, because I think that you have a duty as a social worker to empower other people to understand that their situation will get better. And because they're in that situation doesn't make them any different to you. So it's very similar to being neurodivergent in terms of the underlying connotation around empowering to know that your situation doesn't make you any worse off and it can change Mm. it's 
very empathetic. And actually, when we come from empathy and we really get what the other person is up to, then you bring out strengths in, in each other. It's, it's kind of, it's, you have to understand the other person to get the best out of mm-hmm. them. 100%. So I know that you're up to um, mentoring as well. Um, and this is part of um, life with dyslexia. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And mm-hmm. if you're open to people contacting you about mentoring? So what I wanted to do is I wanted to mentor um, young people and adults as well around um, those that want to get into the music industry and the event side as well, because I feel like I have something to offer and give back because we have to be fair. It's not been easy. It's not been an easy road, but I do believe that giving back is important, especially to your community when you feel like you've been blessed in some capacity. Um, so that's why I started getting into mentoring for young people to be able to say, oh, I want to get into events. Can you help me or help me to guide me and understand? Um, and I welcome people as well that are from the dyslexic community. Um, they don't have to just want to get into events. They may want some advice around their dyslexia. More than happy for people to contact me on my Instagram, life underscore with underscore dyslexia. Um, just send me a DM because I want people to be comfortable around asking questions that they may not know the answer to no question's a silly question but if you see something that you think I wonder if I can get some advice from Esther by all means message me open door policy lovely all right then um just to to wrap up these are some of the questions that we ask everybody so you work in music you love music what is your go-to record Oh, my go-to record will be a hard question. Oh, my God. Okay, my go-to would be Stormzy, Blinded by Your Grace. <sighs> Lord, I've been broken, although I'm not worthy. You lift me, now I'm blinded by your grace. You can't save me. Stormzy, I want to be on stage with you. I think I've just made backstage singer. What do you reckon? Absolutely. Pass the audition. That's my go-to. That and, and it's not, do you know what it is? As much as it's a religious song, it's just a go-to for it's a calming song, a soothing song. It helps you to remember, it helps you to think, it changes your mood, it just relaxes you, it gives you like that energy. I love it. That will be my go-to. Haven't you worked with Stormzy? I have, yeah, on his Murky Festival in Ibiza. <laughs> hey, that's a claim to fame. And again, it's just like people don't understand that sometimes people are literally just human beings. They've just got a famous tag or celebrity attached to them because a lot of the people that I've worked with, they're so lovely. But it's almost like people think... They have to be because of their status. No, they don't necessarily need to be, but they're just human beings. And I get to work with all of the people that I work with in the capacity of when they're letting their hair down and not being an artist. So that's what, that's the beauty of my job. Awesome. <laughs> Speaking whilst we're on that topic, is there a moment in your career that you're most proud of? I don't know if it's class as a moment, but I think the first one for me would definitely be taking that leap of faith and leaving social work to transition into the events arena 
And the reason why that's a moment for me in my career is because I think it's important to understand that moments can be when something happens or they can actually be a decision that leads to you having a future that looks different. So for me, definitely in my career, it would be leaving social work to transition into events, not knowing how it's going to work out, less money, just totally unknown. That for me is a big career move, a big significant point. And the other one has to be the AIM Awards 2022. Liberty in headlining, Leaf will be receiving outstanding contribution, JME and gigs on the stage, amazing. And the GRM Gala in Kensington Palace. How could I forget that? Like we had a whole party in Kensington Palace. So those are the three things, even though you asked for one, sorry. There, there are clearly too many to go on. <laughs> Incredible. Cool. So for anyone listening who hear themselves in what we've been talking about, what one action could they take today to champion this in their career? Perhaps it's to give them a, a bit of direction on what their next step could be. So if you're listening and you know that you are dyslexic or dyspraxic or have number dyscalculia, autism, whatever it may be, because life with dyslexia is about covering neurodivergent overall. But if you do feel that there's a potential, if, sorry, if you do know that you have and you haven't disclosed it to your employer, my biggest piece of advice to you is arrange a meeting and say, I'm dyslexic, dyspraxic, whatever that may be, but I didn't put in an application form and I feel like I need some assistance to be able to do my job in a better capacity. That sounds scary, I know, but it's important that people are aware of the needs that you have that are not being met, that need to be met in order for you to deliver. And if you are unsure as to whether or not you have got a learning need, my advice would be to either go to your GP and say you are worried about this and you've never thought about it before and you want some advice as to where you can go to get tested. Because it's one thing using Google to find out where you can go, but they've got to be private organisations. So my advice would be start with your GP. If it's about your child, go to the school. Ask to speak to the support coordinator, the special education, whatever, whoever you need to speak to. Go to that establishment. If you're in college, go to student support. But the key thing is the, the piece of advice I would give you, take that step to just taking that one baby step. That one baby step could change the rest of your life. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Esther. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much again, Esther. That was so much fun to record. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. And to find out more about life dyslexia, check out the episode notes and follow them on Instagram at life with dyslexia. Thanks everybody. And I will see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.